This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. Today's sermon title is Three Words, and that's the title. Actually, three words. Christmas. We've been talking about Christmas. Uh, Last week, we talked about the angels and what they had to say about Jesus, and it was really neat. And so uh, we showed you a little video clip of some kids, what they thought Christmas was all about. And the angels uh, try to clarify that for us, uh, the angels that visited uh, in the stories of Matthew and Mark and Luke. Uh, what, is, what is Christmas really about? The angels were telling us something. But what does the story really mean? And how is it that a baby has changed the world? And how is it that 2,000 years later we are here celebrating uh, the birth of this baby. Uh, And and what are we actually celebrating? That's a good question we need to ask ourselves. And so you may know the answers. You may have a strong um, faith in Christ and you know all this, but let me encourage you to relearn, reread the story over and over again. None of us have arrived. We don't know it all And although this may sound like it's familiar, uh, one of those things is it's like learning the basics. You never not learn uh, the basics. And so as I'm sharing this this morning, I have to take into account those who know Jesus for 30, 40 years and those who've known Jesus for a few months. And so uh, that's one of the things that uh, people always ask me, what's the difference between Chi Alpha and pastoring? Well, in Chi Alpha, you get to preach to a certain uh, age group. 18 to 22, certain education level. You know, if they're at the university, they have certain capacities. Uh, as a church, you have, to, you have to reach kids that are 12 and 13, 15, 16, and kids that are well into their mid-80s. So it's, it's a challenge sometimes, but I believe the Holy Spirit can speak to all of us. And that's one thing I want to challenge you. Say, Holy Spirit, speak to me this morning. Um, we don't know it all. I'm going to pray that right now. Heavenly Father... Holy Spirit, speak to us this morning, and I confess that I don't know it all. And Lord, there are things in my my life that I believe you want to share in this story uh, that, uh, Lord, I need to begin to flesh out in my life. We say thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So three words, the meaning of Christmas. Christmas uh, equals three words on the... On the screen, it shows for you. Now, the Bible is going to tell us what those three words, and if you have your, your Bibles with me, turn with me to Luke chapter 2. It's a famous chapter. It's well read all over the place, and especially this time of year, and we read it last week, but let me read it again. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee of Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house of the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped them in cloths and placed them in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields 
nearby keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a, a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger, and suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and then finishes in, on the earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. Lord, I pray, God, that you would help us to focus on these three words this morning. So you, you know the story, Joseph and Mary are caught up in this national census, and they have to take the child to Bethlehem. And so now the angels tell us something, they give us a clue, they give us the answer, and the angels talk about the Christ, or a Christ, who was Lord and who was a Savior. So those were the three words, but let's look at the first word, Christ. The first word, Christ, is a title. It's not Jesus' last name. Uh, some people sadly use uh, Jesus' name in vain, and they'll use the word Christ as his last name, but it's not his last name. It's Jesus the Christ, because that's what Jesus, who Jesus is. It's his title. Christ in the Greek is a Greek for Messiah, which means the one who could be anointed, the one who is anointed, the Messiah. Christ the Messiah, Jesus the Messiah, someone who would come and be God's person to lead his people. It has very much big ties to uh, Moses and leading the captives out of Egypt. Uh, uh, the Messiah is going to lead them into greatness. And they were waiting for this, this Messiah, the people, the Jewish people. But in their minds, they were thinking, you know, uh, someone who's going to be their, their champion and, and win uh, politically or uh, militarily. So, but Jesus, the Messiah, is someone who would be God's person to lead their people into freedom. The nation was, under, uh, was oppressed they were under uh, leadership that was oppressing them, and they believed that uh, they were waiting for the Messiah to lead this revolution to set them free. But it says here that Christ is the Messiah. So again, it has connotations to the Old Testament, uh, Moses and the burning bush and all that. But which brings us to the second word is Lord. My question for myself this morning is, is Jesus the Messiah, Lord of my life? If you look at the burning bush of the story in Moses, you recognize that there's a connection here. Because God wanted to show something to Moses uh, about his authority and his power in the land. And he, uh, God demanded that Moses would take off his shoes because who he is is holy. He is all-powerful. And so God was showing through the burning bush who God is about himself. And there was no mistake 
about who Moses thought God was. His very name brings uh, this concept of holiness and power. So you couldn't really say his name. In the Old Testament, they wouldn't say uh, God. They would not say Yahweh. Because in Exodus chapter 3, God says to Moses, what is your name? And God said to Moses, I am who I am, and this is what you are to say. I am who sent you. The word I am is a powerful word. It's the very existence who God is. And in, as I said, in the Jewish people, they could not mention and say that word. So they came up with a different word. They used the word Yahweh, and they spelled it Y-H-W-H. And so we really can't pronounce that. So the closest thing we could say in our language is Yahweh. And God said, my name is Yahweh, which means I am. I am. And so the Jews said that word is too holy, so they came up with other substitute words in order to say it. Another word we could say is Adonai. It's another way, another version of saying who God is, a substitute word. It's the same word for Hebrews, Lord. And so as we get closer and closer to the time of Jesus, we would use words as Adonai and uh, Kyrios, K-Y-R-I-O-S-O-U-S. And so, again, these are words that represent God and who he is. It starts with the I am and Yahweh. Then we have Adonai and Kyrios, which is, again, Greek for Lord. And Jesus is the I am that we see in the Old Testament and what we see here that we just read in Luke chapter 2. Jesus is saying, or the, the angels are announcing that Jesus himself is the very Lord. So the word that is used, Lord, is the same word as the I am. He is Christ the Lord. He is not a, just a baby. He's not some nice little uh, doll that we put on a manger. And you know that, but we need to remind ourselves that Jesus is not just some mere baby, powerless, but he is the Messiah and he is the Lord, the, the great I am. So he's not just a baby, he's the Messiah, he's Adonai, he's Yahweh, he's God in human form, and he's the Lord and the King of this world. Amen? Amen. And we need to remember that. We get lost in all the, of the paraphernalia of, of Christmas. But our third word is Savior. And that's a tough word for us in the West. Tough for us even in the church to recognize. So again, we remember we read in the beginning, it said that today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Savior. It's, um, it's an antiquated word in, uh, today in our culture. We understand about people needing saving, like the German um, Coast Guard. They were saving people. If you were here a couple of weeks ago, you saw that video. It was funny. Uh, people get saved in, uh, in, from firemen who are saving people out of burning houses. But today... In our culture, and maybe even in your own heart, we really wonder, do we need saving? 
That's the challenge of today. I remember a famous minister named C.J. Mahaney came to my church back in the early 80s, and he told us a prophetic word. Our biggest challenge in the church is to convince people who think they're saved they aren't really saved. So are we saved? Are you saved? This word saving trips so many people up because many people don't think they need saving. Jesus is our Savior. That may sound weird to many of our ears in our culture, but we all need saving. And the question is, saved from what? what? What did Jesus save us from? One of our challenges in the church is that people are even afraid to say what God saved them from. And I think that's a clue. That's a little clue, not the clue, but a clue is... Uh, being saved, part of that is, is comes with humility and gratefulness. And so by saying, Lord, I'm humble enough to say that I needed saving because I was a messed up kid. I've been praying the last few weeks, and the Lord has been reminding me, uh, uh, just bringing back to memory. And as I look back in my life, I'm like, wow, I was messed up. I was, uh, you would not want me in your church. And I'm, and I'm not being um, funny here. If you knew me when I was uh, 17, 18, 19, you would not want me in your church. I was, um, I was not good. This lady came up to me one time, and she said, I have a word for you. Her name is Becky. She lives down in Sarasota, and she's probably, she could watch, and she could verify this story. She goes, I really feel like the Lord is going to call you uh, to be a believer. And I remember literally looking her in the eye. She goes, yeah, I, I saw this picture of you in this ice cube and uh, the Lord was melting the ice and that there was only about a foot left of ice that was still uh, surrounding your legs and you couldn't move, but God is going to melt that ice and you're you know, basically going to come and become a, a follower of Jesus. I literally, not figuratively, not internally, literally pointed my finger in her face and I laughed at her and I told her that would never happen. And I remember she was shocked. I was being disrespectful to her and, um, and uh, I, was, I was not nice. I was not nice. You would not want me in these pews. So that's why I don't have a problem of saying that I needed saving. I needed saving. And Jesus, it says here that he was what it says? That today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. And he goes on about finding Jesus wrapped in cloths in a manger. But most people don't think they need saving. Most people think... Those people need saving. My spouse needs saving. My kids need saving. But I don't need saving. And that's the biggest challenge we have in our culture. And I will tell you, it's a big challenge in the church. Because the idea of being, needing a savior is weird. Now, this is kind of a new phenomenon in our culture. You know, 40, 50 years ago, people knew that they were like, ah, I'm not good, uh, I'm, a, I'm a rebel. I'm far from God, and there's some sort of 
They, they understood that they weren't right with God. But today, like, what? Uh, it's a strange concept. So uh, too many people think that God's going to grade on a curve. Now, we have some teachers in here. Eric, do you ever grade on a curve? Never. No more, right? You, you get what you deserve. <laughs> well, thank the Lord I wasn't going to school during this time. So uh, I, I love the curve, and uh, except for when that, that smart kid came to class and that really messed it up. So our system of thinking who needs saving, a lot of times, and maybe your friends think this, and I know my friends think that somehow I will make it uh, based on the curve. I'm not as bad as that person. Okay, I may not be as good as uh, Mother Teresa, uh, but I know I'm not as bad as Hitler. And so somehow I'll make it into the curve. And so the, the, the mistake is that we're trying to line up our lives and compare our lives to Hitler uh, and not Jesus. And so that's one of the challenges. But I want to pray for you this morning and myself that we recognize that we absolutely are desperately in need of a Savior. And a telltale sign that you do know you need a Savior or you needed a Savior is you don't have a problem sharing about your testimony. You know, I might call on you one day and say, hey, can you share your testimony? And if you get a little scared, I can understand about public uh, speaking and all that, but you could write it out. Write it on a piece of paper. If the Lord had not saved me, you have an inclination of where would you be? And I know where I would be. I wouldn't be here. I'd be lost. I wouldn't have a family. I'd be, I'd be drowning in my selfishness. And so I need a saving, and I pray that you recognize that you need a saving, but that's the challenge in our culture. Romans 3.23 says this. Anybody know it? For some or for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23. And that's not an easy thing to hear. But it is what it is. Amen? It is what it is. We were sinners or are sinners in need of a Savior. There's nothing Nothing has changed. And that's what the Christmas story is about. A savior is to be born. Why? Because we need one. We need grace. We need forgiveness. And through that, guess what happens? The restoration of our relationship with Jesus. That's why the Bible says that Jesus, the gospel is what? It's good news. It's good news. It's not bad news. It's good news. You know, there's a new, uh, it's not new, but a lot of people are falling away from their faith. Uh, they're calling, uh, it's not all-encompassing, but there's like the phrase called deconstructing their faith. And, and um, my biggest thing is like, wow, uh, I know what I was. I know what my propensities could be outside of Christ. And I just thank Jesus that he saved me. Um, I, wasn't, I wasn't like born into a culture of Christianity. I had an encounter with the living God. And his name is Jesus, the Messiah. And I can't undo that. I can't undo that. I know what Jesus did in my life. Did he do the same for your life? You need to be aware of it. 
ask the Lord to make you more aware of, man, where you were and where you could have been if Jesus had not saved us. Because if he didn't save us, you probably have an inclination of where you would be. So, Jesus came to save us. The angels say, glory to God in the highest on earth and peace to men. Because it's a gift that is designed for all of us. It's the first Christmas gift. So how do we respond to this story? I would say that Jesus is offering a gift that we need to receive it. Receive it. The whole gift. It's not about a religion. It's about relationship. It's about reuniting with our creator, God, through Jesus Christ. So, this Christmas season, remember that we needed saving. Now, it's going to be a challenge to talk to your friends about it because they're like, saving from what? And so, again, they're going to try to bell curve or, or explain it away, but we all need saving. So, when you're giving gifts this season, giving gifts to kids or friends or family, uh, there's a natural reason for that because you care about people, right? You want to give them a gift. If you care about someone in your family, you give them a gift. And, and God cares about his family, and he gives us the gift, Jesus. So I pray this Christmas season, uh, Bryce, um, I want Bryce to come on up because Jesus, Christmas equals three words, Remember? We said it in the beginning. Lord, Christ, and Savior. The name of Jesus brings us freedom. It redeems us. Brings relationship. Um, it keeps us from spending eternity in, in drowning in our sinful propensities. Jesus saved us. And I pray that he's you recognize that he saved you. I'm going to ask the band to come up, right? So we're going to ask, we're going to sing our second song today to just to reconfirm, reaffirm the wonderful name of Jesus, the beautiful gift that God gave us through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, the best thing you could do is re-gift that. I made a mistake and I, uh, I re-gifted uh, one year. <laughs> and I didn't know it. Uh, but God's okay with you re-gifting the gift that he gave you and sharing the gospel with those around us. Right now, there are lots and lots of people who are ready and receptive to hear the story of Christ. We're going to ask, and I'm going to pray this morning, that Lord would help us to be attuned to your Holy Spirit. Attuned to your Holy Spirit. Now, I know it might be hard, like say if you're a teacher and you're looking at those kids and you're just thinking, I can't wait till Friday. Uh, any teachers thinking like that? Can't wait till Friday. Uh, but I pray that God would give us opportunities to see a kid that needs the love of Christ or a coworker or a family member. You know how it's so much easier to love someone that lives 4,000 miles away than the person that lives right next to you or lives with you? Ask the Lord to help us 
Help us. Lord, I, yeah, I want to I support missions, those people, those poor people in Africa. Let's send them a check. Uh, I pray the love of God will reach them. And then God might be saying, yes, do that. But uh, love your neighbor. Give them the gift of love and forgiveness and acceptance and friendship. Regift the gift of Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Lord, we celebrate Christmas in a way that would give you the greatest honor is by re-gifting the gift that we've got and recognizing that people have been bound and they need saving. Lord, help us to do it in a way that brings you the greatest glory. Lord, give us wisdom on how to do that. Sensitivity to, sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Now, the best gift that we can give Jesus is ourselves. Give ourselves. And Lord, we just give ourselves to you this morning. I give myself to you. I pray that everybody in this audience give themselves back to you and those who are at home, that they would give themselves back to you. Lord, we say thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this Christmas season. Thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name. Let's go ahead and stand. Let's sing this song to just reaffirm and confirm who Jesus is. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.